For over 10 years, VOC Nation has taken listeners behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Our hosts are not only experts on the business, but have lived in the business. Subscribe and hear weekly podcasts from hosts like legendary pro wrestling journalist Bill After, former Impact Wrestling star Wes Briscoe, former WWE and AWA broadcaster Ken Resnick, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, former WCW star The Maestro, NWA legend The Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, and much more. VOC Nation programming is free on most major podcasting apps, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Radio.com. And video podcast and bonus content is available on Patreon for as low as $3 a month. What are you waiting for? Head to VOCNation.com and dig into the most comprehensive podcast network built for pro wrestling fans. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at VOC Nation Wrestling Network and follow us on Twitter at VOC Nation. Podcast, proudly part of EOC Nation Radio Network. After you listen to the podcast today, be sure to check out our website, stadiumjourney.com. It contains over 2,500 stadium reviews, news items, and features perfect for the traveling sports fan. In addition to the website, we are all over social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Like us, follow us everywhere. Uh, just check us out at Stadium Journey. Are you making fun of my hands? So no, I'm trying to. I'm, I'm trying. Everybody sees uh, the new intro screen. Everybody sees it, so I'm trying not to sit here go. The Stadium Journey podcast is the perfect companion for when you're on a road trip. Just type in BOC Nation Radio Network into your podcast search app, or look for us on Spotify. We'll be right there. Or to find our back catalog, you tried to say, of video podcasts, look under the podcast tab on the Stadium Journey website or on our YouTube page. And if you ever want to join us as we record the show live, we stream on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash stanlaw83. Before we get going, let me take a second and introduce our starting lineup. We've got Dave Cotney with us. You can follow him at ProFan9. Mark Dekas can be found at Ballpark Hunter. Our producer, the above-average comedian, Dan Calachico, is online at DanLaw83. And I am Paul Baker. You can follow me at PuckmanRI. Tonight, we are very happy. We've got someone who has been a great supporter of Stadium Journey through the years. Uh, we're joined tonight by Mike Nutter. Better late than ever tonight, Mike. Uh, the president of the Fort Wayne Tin Caps. Welcome to the show, Mike. It is so great to be on with you guys. Better late than never is right. I'm a huge fan of Stadium Journey and the podcast, so it's an honor to finally be on with you guys. We're, we're so happy to have you. So, Mike, let's jump right into it. It has been, uh, let's call it an interesting offseason in minor league baseball. So how yep. have things taken out for you all there in Fort Wayne? You know, Paul, it's been tough. So with the virus first, in Fort Wayne and in Indiana, we didn't get hit hard as some of the other places around the country. So we're sensitive to the fact that it hasn't been as bad here as some other places. But, I mean, it couldn't have happened. This sounds so selfish. I don't mean it that way. But it couldn't have happened at a worse time for our industry in minor league baseball because we were coming out of that entire off season 
where you add up all those expenses and you buy the giveaways and you do all that kind of stuff heading into the year. And then, boom, I still remember early March thinking, well, this doesn't seem good. And it's so naive and maybe even ignorant mm-hmm. to talk about now. But it's like, oh, maybe we'll be playing, a, you know, in a month or two. And I remember addressing our front office staff probably March 15th range of last year in our sweet level lounge and said, we're not going to be able to work coming in Monday. We're going to stay at home. I don't know if it's for a few weeks or if it's for a few days or a couple months. And I say with no arrogance, we, we've been one of the more successful minor league teams, especially when we're at the low A level. And we had to furlough just about everybody on the staff for 10 or 11 months. I mean, something we never, ever could have imagined. Uh, but again, it's, as we know now, a global pandemic. And when you make that kind of revenue for us, I don't mean like a big number, but the percentage of the revenue that comes during the season and then to lose the season, it was a perfect storm. Obviously, much bigger things than baseball. But for our industry, it was really tough. We're optimistic. We're playing a week from today. But we were kind of the first people out, you know, canceled with crowd sizes and things like that. And in some aspects, we'll be some of the last people back. But we can open next week, albeit very limited. But we're happy to just get going. So, um, so when you're opening next week, what are the uh, restrictions that are in place? So we are right about, yeah, we're right about 3,000 people. So for us, it's not a specific percentage. We've always drawn an average of just around 6,000. We've had games as high as 9,500. But for us, that was the other thing with our fans. Uh, every time the governor would say, hey, we're going to 25%, we're going to 50%, none of it mattered for us because of social distancing aspects, as you guys know. Uh, Major League Baseball is mandating masks in all the minor the next week. We are here in Fort Wayne. One of those that's shown happening in Congress week. Some of the towns are There's a lot of people to, to wear one when you're at the ballpark, but hopefully they do. I went to a Pacers game last week. Ushers walk around to make sure you're wearing the mask, so I'm sure that shouldn't be a problem there. Yeah, that's what we're looking at, I believe, as well. Yeah. I, I just want to say, as 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 an adult, sometimes that it sometimes. very sometimes on this show, not very often. Um, the it, it's the words that enrages me about that whole thing. We encourage. Just tell the adults you have to wear them. You're an yeah, adult. Yeah. You, you'll be fine. I, mean, I, I, I promise you'll be okay. I have friends that I mean, I had friends that look at me. You don't have to wear a mask, Mark. You can take it off. No, you know, no, I, I, you. I went into the old Navy. Uh, you know, the, the one in Indianapolis, everybody had a mask on. I go to the one in Hamilton County because I'm looking for a pair of pants that fit my size. No one was wearing a mask. And we're back, you know, 15 miles apart even, not not even. And it's that much of a difference. So I just I can, I can assure everybody that this fat guy just did physical therapy with a mask on. You'll be fine. Good. All right. I wish we had places to go with masks on. <laughs> yeah, it's a little different up there. I, I didn't want to go. Everything's I, closed. You I would wear your mask in, in, I, in anywhere. This is the first thing I've had to do since lockdown and, and because of the pain. I was like, I can't ignore it. And my anxiety was just... And after about five minutes, I was like, oh, we're all wearing masks. I'm good. I'm vaccinated. Let's do this. So... So I guess, Mike, uh, obviously this year you're going to have a limited capacity. What can we expect from promotions, food service, just heading to the game? Do we have to get there early for different strategies or 
We are, you know, the, the great question about getting there early. We don't think so for us because the overall capacity is yes, so much lower, lower that we think we can do that. But your other questions are great. As we are here now, we are planning on no live on-field national anthems, uh, no on-field promotions of any kind. We understand okay. no bat boys. You know, with the mm. roster expanded, wow. the, the extra players are going to go get them. Uh, I've heard a lot of people say, you know, hey, we're going to do the national anthem from our concourse or our kids' area. I think in our case, we may have the people come out and pre-record them all. might help with some nerves as well. So the people can still get their day at the ballpark. They just won't be down there singing it. And so it'll be a lot different. Now, the benefit of, of our venues and a lot of the venues over the last 15, 20 years, you can do a lot of stuff on video board. You can do a lot of other promotions like that. But the reality of it is there's still that field of dreams mentality where people just love stepping on that field. And Sunday autograph days in our case or, or just players at the single-A level signing autographs, you know, for now, all of that is out. And, and you know, that's the fan stuff. And we can talk about some of the behind-the-curtain stuff of how they're going to try and stagger players and clubhouses because everybody, to state the most obvious thing, especially on this podcast, everybody wants to do all they can to get a season in, not just for the revenues, these players that all missed a year. I mean, there's a lot of things going on. I have a very serious question. I was joking before, but I actually do have a serious question with the mask thing. I'm going to ask it like this, so forgive me for the the way I word it. How do you prepare staff to deal with, I'll call them bad apples? To, uh, you, bad apples, get huh? it. I like it. I didn't uh, even you know mean to do that, but I'll take it. <laughs> you know, that's a conversation that we've had a lot. And so primarily when people are walking up to the question, or to the ballpark, like the question previously, You know, if there's a crowd coming in, everybody has to have it on. You've got to have it on in the concourse. You're waiting in the concession lines, like all those kinds of things. We're going to distance it as much as you can, but you have to. Now to answer the third part of that, I think where we're going to have the most interaction, I'll call it, is, okay, I go down into the ballpark, (laughs) and I'm I'm safely socially distanced, you know what I mean, In, in a pod with people that I know or that I purchase tickets with. Why do I have to wear it then? That's what we're preparing for. And, you know, I saw, like he described at the Pacer game, we got down to one of the March Madness games down there, and we saw the same thing at Lucas Oil Field in, in Indianapolis where the ushers were walking around. Yeah. You know, people skirted a little bit by, you know, I've heard people, well, I'm just going to walk around with a drink, you know, or, or I have a drink in my hand at my seat so I don't have to. And it's like, if you put that much thought into it, just put the mask on while you're not eating and drinking and everybody will be fine. I can tell you from experience, Mike, that that is going to be your biggest point of difficulty. I was at a game this past weekend in Hartford. Uh, they had a college game at the Dunkin' Donuts Park. 6,000 seat ballpark, probably 200 people at the game. I didn't. I saw maybe ten percent of the people in the seating bowl wearing their mask. We've experienced the same with the high school and college. So we backfilled it. It was awesome. I mean, unfortunately, with COVID and our late start this year, but we got forty-six teams playing out here this April. Twenty-nine games, double headers, Division One college all the way down to the smallest college, the biggest high schools down to the smallest, and we've experienced that as well. Early in the in the showcase series for us. It was still mandated in Indiana. And I'm not on here picking fights with politicians in any way, shape, or form. 
But during the series, it went from mandated to, like one of the other guys used, strongly suggested. We strongly encourage, and people just took that as, I don't have to. But the mixed messaging here is, uh. no, in this venue, especially for Tin Caps games, and we're not hiding behind MLB, uh, you know, we think it's still the safest thing to continue to wear them right now. And, uh, you know, but it, it, it's going to be, and it's already been a challenge at numbers you're talking about for high school games when we open Tuesday, May 4th, and it's a capacity crowd of 3,000. We're fully expecting that to be the case. Yeah, I, I had a chance to go up to Lansing last year to see Ooh. the Lemonade League. Yeah. And they had 100 people. You had to have your mask on. Uh, and then I went to Traverse City where they had about 500 people with your mask on. And, you know, I saw people – I think most people have their mask on. So I'm hoping that everybody is going to be following the rules, saying, hey, we're at the ballpark. And that most people were just happy to be at the ballpark last summer. I can only imagine what they're feeling like this summer. Because I don't think the Comets – did the Comets play this year? They did. They so did. They, okay, they missed so. all their playoffs last year, and they're still mass required in mass the required. Coliseum. So hopefully they have required. some. Yeah, so, so that helps us. Okay. Yes. Good. And then your other part that I, I love to pick up on that, segue off that, you know, how has it been for season ticket holders? Well, there's people that have had season tickets for all 70 games for 12 years in this ballpark, and maybe they even paid us last year and let us roll over the money. Now, we're, the messaging, guys, is an absolute disaster. Mm. We're calling these people going, thanks for the last 12 years. This year we've got 30 of the 60 games for you. They may or may not be in your specific seats. Wow. Well, why not? I've always had the front row. Well, yeah, we have to burn the first 12 or 15 feet as a major league rule, not complaining about it, just stating a fact. Well, why can't I sit there? Well, because they're the guy that's telling us yeah. nobody can be there. And so, but I'll tell you, a lot of people, a handful of pushback, and really that means they're passionate about the tin caps and our industry. But most people have been really like, if I can get to 30 games, I'll take it, because that's 30 more than last year. And who yeah. knows, Fort Wayne and Allen County is really pushing to open up by July 1st or July 4th. And and I'm not sure that we'll go to 8,000 that day, but maybe we go up a lot more, and then you know we start to get back to normal. But at the same time, I'm talking to guys and gals all around our industry that we love so much. There is a labor shortage that none of us have ever experienced. We're, okay. 120, we're 125 people short for concessions labor at half capacity. And, I, again, the guys down here that don't know me, I'm not an overly political guy, but we're calling people that have worked here for years. And it's like, hey, you ready to come back? You know, we're, we're playing. You know, maybe they lost touch. What, are you nuts? And it's like, okay, you know, if you don't feel comfortable coming back, no, I feel great, but I'm getting unemployment. You know, and so it's like, mm. hey, we need you to come back. And, again, I'm not picking fights. Our own full-time staff was on it till earlier this month, so I'm not suggesting, well, now that we're off, it should go away. But it's the labor market, in talking to all my friends that are operators of other teams, nobody is even close. The Comets, I believe, are sending two or three buses of concession workers up from Indianapolis for every game that they play from their third-party concessions. Wow. I never even yeah. thought about that aspect. I, yeah. And, That's and a I problem re- across the restaurant industry right now. Yeah. Well, I know. You're I re- exactly right, Paul. You go anywhere, and it's now hiring, and come work for us, and there's QR codes and websites posted everywhere. 
And, you know, back in a normal year, and we're not back to normal, of course, but we would have five or 600 part-time workers over the course of the year. People quitting, people moving. It's not for them. They're not for us. But on a big game before, we would have every bit of 225 people. And I stopped by my guy, Bill Lane, who's been our food and beverage director since we opened, and he's the best. And I said, what's the count? We're still 110 short. And I wow. said, for the 225 number or for the 400 number? And he said, yes, and laughed. So we're all just going to make the best of it. Yeah. yeah. Well, if, if you need anybody to help out for a home series, I'll help you out. Right on. <laughs> I would to love to. I, I, 20 years ago, I was fresh out of college. I wanted to work in minor league baseball. Nobody would give me a job. Uh, You're hired. So that now's my chance. Now's my You're chance. hired. <laughs> Mike, have I ever told you I worked in concessions for both the Patriots and the Paw Sox combined? Right. No. You're never come up. Too. Is that right? <laughs> 19, he did? 19, no. 19 combined seasons between the two teams, yeah. I know that. Wow, that's awesome. A little bit, little bit too far of a commute for me, though. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you, can't afford, you can't afford me right now anyway. So. No, I can't. Dave, Dave, you have been very patient. I saw your hand up like 10 minutes ago. Oh, oh that's okay. That one, that, that point is long past. So i got to move on. <laughs> um, so I, we're – fully assuming that this is going to be an abnormal year. At what point do you start thinking about next year and how much of a a bring bring everybody back, like starting from scratch kind of year do you think it's going to be um, to get people back in the ballpark for 2022? Man, that is a great question. We feel like the, the, the only chance we've got uh, for the reality is to return to normal. We feel like that's April or May of 2022, to just what you just said. Even if we open fully in Fort Wayne, Indiana, on July 4th, can we find the labor? Are there going to be people that want to come out and work? Are there going to be fans that still think, you know what, I've got pre-existing conditions, I don't want to come out? We're we're gearing for 22. So we've we've led the minor leagues with 30 some fireworks shows a year for the last 10 years. You know, we have nine this year. A friend of mine called, and he's like, why are you doing any? Can't you sell out those Saturday nights without them? And it's like, we just didn't want to give up what the show is and what people have come here for, you know, for all those years. And and the five or six grand for the fireworks show feels like a lot more than that or maybe a lot more than it did the other years. But it's like, you know, we're, we are not bringing in national entertainment. We've done all that in the past uh, as much as anybody and so we've already engaged all of our sponsors, sweet holders, people like that, to your point of, well, wait a minute, if somebody buys a billboard thinking it's 400,000 people, and now we're going to play 60 games, if it doesn't expand at 3,000 people, you know, we're not suggesting to them, hey, you're good guys, we're good guys, let's call it even. So we've already had a lot of conversations like, can we earn this percent if it doesn't change then how do we roll stuff over to next year? Because you, you nailed it. I mean, right now, our luxury suites would normally hold 20 people. We're blessed. We're fortunate that 15 of the 16 suites are on full season deals. Now, they might be split by different companies or whatever, but, like, the suites are gone. Right now, capacity is 12 of the 20. So for games starting next week, they earn 60% of that, you know, credit, and we're just – but to, to people's credit, it's been uh, – people have been great with the point we made before if they just want to play. But a lot of people are saying, 
hey, let's just figure this out, honor system, but 22, you guys have to be back to normal, right? And it's like, well, we hope to, but, you know, for you guys that have been here, Lincoln Financials Worldwide Headquarters up until 15, 20 years ago was right here until they moved to Philadelphia and named their ballpark and uh, oh. uh, their football stadium, I should say. They're not back. We've heard they might not be back till October. You know, one of our big uh, sweet holders uh, told us the other day, hey, we're not back. We have to opt out of our suite. And, and what do you say to that? Of course, you, like, we, we respect that. We understand that. But it is so fluid. And we haven't even, and again, not in any negative sense, we haven't even talked about the protocols and the minor league, the new oversight by Major League Baseball, with all they're trying to do for safety, and everybody understands that, what that kind of stuff can do to our bottom line as well. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And it's it's. I think that promotion piece is going to be so different when you go forward because I, so much of what you've done in the past has not been to promote those those you know nine guys on the field who are all going to be gone after a year. It's it's about the whole experience. It's about it's about you know, the fireworks and it's about the t-shirts and it's about, you know, bringing in some, you know, like Batman night or Star Wars night or whatever kind of night. So, you know, without any of that stuff, wow, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be hard to, to get people to remember, Hey, you remember like three years ago when we used to do this? (laughs) A lot of what you just described went into our thought of, uh, and a lot of teams are doing it differently, and who knows who's going to be right. But of those season ticket holders we talked about before, uh, was there a way to get them all 70 games for, or all 60 games this year, excuse me? Uh, no, we were going to come up just a little bit short. But our biggest fear with that was what you, would, what you just described, not having any game day tickets for sale available. I mean, we kind of joked about it, but what you just said was like, if we didn't have any individual seats available and it was just season ticket holders, that'll be two straight years families have gone without buying an individual ticket to us. To your point, we talked about Star Wars night. You think people will remember Star Wars night back in 2019? Like, those are real things. Do they move on to a different hobby, a different, you know, activity, things like that? So we made the decision to get everybody half their seats at least, and then still have like a 1,000 or so to sell on an individual basis for that very reason. We thought, you're talking three years. Kids have gone from, you know, a a young seventh grader to now they're a sophomore in high school or whatever the stuff is like that, and the the fan behavior would change. Well, I know one thing. Whenever I talk to somebody about Parkview Field, it's, it's always one of their favorite places to see a game, and, and I think that's still going to be the case uh, during this uh, truculent season, and hopefully that uh, you, that continues to be the case in 22 and 23 and beyond, because uh, most people, when I talk about favorite minor league ballparks, they usually say a tin caps game is, is one of their favorites. I was at Huntington University a few oh, yeah. weeks ago to their ballpark. Beautiful ballpark, never knew about it. 
Yeah, that's all anybody was talking about. How they they can't wait to to check out a Tin Caps game this year. So that's awesome. Those guys at Huntington University, we're friends with Coach Frame and all everybody yeah. out there. We asked them, do they want to play here for one of the games in the series? Oh, nice. And they were the they were the only one to. Re- and we are friends, Coach Frame and I. Yeah. And he was the only one to respectfully decline and say we lost all of our home games last year. We don't want to give up another doubleheader here. Because, again, to their level, they have season ticket holders and sponsors. What you said is is really nice. We're planning on having all the areas open in the seating areas, as many of the concession carts that we're kind of known for as well. Mm-hmm. And we were the geniuses that did an all-new video board package and sound system for opening day 2020. <laughs> and so uh, we're going to debut that on Northeast Indiana here in a week. Nice. And uh, trust me, we've got the million-dollar bills to pay for it. If we've been able to pay for those yet, I'm not well, sure. I mean, I mean, there's certain teams that changed their branding for 2020 and have yet to play under that moniker. So you're not the only one with Yeah, I was just thinking of Wichita. Built the whole stadium. Yes. And yeah, Wichita was supposed to be AAA. For, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so they were supposed to be AAA. They lost their level. They lost the whole season. The yeah. Rocket City Trash Pandas set, I believe, if I heard correctly, they're neck and neck with the El Paso Chihuahuas for every merchandise record over the first year. They haven't played a game yet no. either. I mean, it's it's just – I mean, it's tough enough for us, but we talked about how hard it was for us in the, in the thing. I can't imagine them that had to pay all that stuff. I mean, that is the ultimate worst-case scenario. Yeah. What about you guys with merchandise? Are you getting a lot of uh, a lot of revenue for fans who are not actually at the ballpark? How's that? Looking? That has gone well. We saw probably our biggest holiday sales in a few years, and I think there was some part of that. Uh, I think it's across the country, but also here, you know, in Indiana, with you know, shop small and buy from local businesses and stuff like that. So we've we've been good uh, with that regard, you know. Until we can get a few of our invoices paid, we might have a hard time getting new products sent in. But as sweet payments and things like that have started to show up, you know, we're getting all of our, you know, invoices taken care of. And we joke about that stuff, but not really. I mean, for 12 years it was, hey, we pay right on time, we pay immediately, we're successful, get their money out. And, again, those vendors have been understanding as well. Yes, it's everybody working together. It's it's definitely tough times. and. It's very simple to say, hey, open the ballpark. Let's all go back in. We have vaccines. You you still have to be safe right now. So just be patient to all the baseball-loving fans across the country. It is what it is. Yep. So with with this season, one of the uh, big changes uh, has been across minor league baseball, a whole big reorg. Um, And I'm not sure how much of – I guess the former Midwest League has changed into what is what is it now? High A Central. Yeah, the hack. The, <laughs> the most Those new horribly names generic the tongue, names. Oh, they bet. <laughs> um, I, how how has how has the the structure of the league or or you know moving from what was low A before yeah. to high A now? How is that? How has that changed for, for you guys? Great question. So we moved from low A to high A, like you said, so one step closer to the major leagues. Uh, we flip-flopped with the Cal League in that regard and the Florida State League in that regard. Uh, a few new affiliates came into the league, and then we ended up with 12 of the 16 before. We lost the Kane County Cougars, which was my first employer. 
they were the top growing single A team in in minor league baseball for probably a 10, 12, 15 year stretch. Yep. They did not end up with an affiliate. Uh, the Burlington Bees did not. The Clinton Lumber Kings did not. And then the fourth is the uh, uh, Bowling Green Hot Rods. They ended up still keeping a team, but they're no longer in our league. And so, um, you know what, we're going to miss all of them. The good thing for Kane County, Beloit, Burlington, is they're still playing, either College yes. Wood Bat League or Independent Ball or something like that. So, they did not end up on the outside looking in. And I would guess, and it's just speculation on my part, does one of those teams, or there's going to be teams around the country that invest back into their ballpark to try and get back in in the game of musical chairs. And the Cougars, and I'm, I'm partial to them because I spent four of the best years of my life there. That's centrally located around Chicago with great travel. I mean, it's great. So you just mentioned the, uh, the musical chairs. How do you see that changing now where individual franchises are not necessarily driving the bus as to who their affiliates are, and it seems to be a lot more centrally centrally controlled? How do you see that musical chairs piece changing? It's Well, it's a great question. It's tough for us because when it first started, we've been a Padres affiliate for a long time, like 20-some years, here in Indiana, about as far from your affiliate as you can get. Well, they haven't, they've been good, but they haven't always been – really good when we were with them and so they have us and El Paso and some of the great stadiums on your rankings every year you know and so the Padres have some really good teams and we were all going now that they've got Tatis and Machado and all these guys and we had Fernando here and he broke every record we have like we don't want to have this process happen and we don't get with them you know and so the minor league team it always as you guys know but for the listeners it always used to be 50-50 if we wanted back or didn't want back, if we didn't want back or the major league team, you could get out. Now we have no say in it, and it's on a 10-year deal the way I understand it. And so we are fortunate that it's with the Padres. I have some friends that are very excited about their deal, but with COVID not being able to go to spring training, they've got a team flying in this week. They've never met one person. You know, it's just, it'll all work out. It'll all be fine. Relationships take a little while sometimes, but but it's pretty wild. But I also think uh, we own the team in Columbia, South Carolina. They they read on Twitter that the Mets were leaving. They were yeah. not notified by anybody till it was on Twitter. I'm not on here blowing up the Mets. Like, things happen. That's that's the way stuff happens sometimes. And then our team in Chattanooga, Tennessee, oh, as you guys may know, I mean, they're back with the Reds, but they were on the initial list. They were. You're cut. You're gone. So yeah, it, they were. It's wild. Yeah, I think the original plan, I think the Mets wanted to cut out Binghamton, and then yeah. Chuck Schumer yep. jumped in and, and stopped that. So that thwarted their plans for Brooklyn to move up. And, yeah, it was – It was, unfortunately, we've seen from a lot of teams how they treat their, uh, their, their farm affiliates sometimes when they're letting them know they're leaving. Yeah. So that was just – that was a, a bad case. Of course, Trent and Thunder – I think are still upset over the fact that they're not with the Yankees. I grew up in between those two ballparks, so I kind of I kind of can see the pros and cons of what the Yankees did. So yeah, it was just one of those years, one one of those years. But I think the the, the parent club should be somewhat professional and, and let them know what the plans are before it goes to meet uh, social media. 
especially in a case like Columbia yeah. where nobody was concerned that they would be left without a yeah. team. They have that beautiful Sagra ballpark down there. Yeah. Like it wasn't even having to make that incredibly difficult call to my buddy Ted Torno in Clinton, Iowa. Like, hey, oh, we're sorry, you're Ted. gone. This was just going to be, hey, there's a new affiliate coming in. You know, that's an easy call to make. We love you guys in Savannah and Columbia. We're sorry we won't be there anymore. We, would, we You know, we wish you all the best. And that's not – nobody's blaming you for that. Yeah, no, yeah, Ted, I've talked to him a few times. Yeah, he's a wild man. He is great to talk to. Anything you want to know about the history of minor league baseball in Clinton, he he knows it. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing his his teams come out in the Prospect League. Uh, Yeah. They're going to be playing uh, Terre Haute and Lafayette, which is not too far from me. uh, Right on. Lafayette's got the new ballpark. Looking forward to that. So, And and I think think some of these changes – I think it's good that Clinton and Burlington are in a smaller league such as that. I think the town, the size of the community benefits that better. I just hope the fans embrace it as as not something below minor league baseball because those are just two really nice, charming ballparks that remind me of baseball 30, 35 years ago when I was a little boy just checking things out. So, uh, We'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens with the, with some of these clubs. It's it's exciting. It's scary. It's it's kind of uh, the great unknown for some of them. No doubt. Yeah. So, Mike, you brought up something. Now, I want to I want to flip this and talk to it. Talk at it from the other side. You mentioned that this could trigger a whole arms race now with stadiums that are right now outside of that MILB affiliated circle, maybe doing what it takes to get back in. How do you see that escalating things? I, you know, it, I, I do believe uh, – you described it better than I did. I do believe that's an opportunity. Here's the one thing that I haven't been able to figure out. How do municipalities put money into it without knowing whether they're going to get something out of it? So I, I think our ballpark in Chattanooga is a perfect example. Jason Fryer, our owner, has been successful at getting Parkview Field and Segra Field in Fort Wayne and Columbia. They were out. You know, do – do they have 10 years for sure to, to get through this deal in Chattanooga? That's for somebody else to decide, but they're working very hard to get a new ballpark in Chattanooga, Tennessee, so we don't have to find out. You know, yeah. I mean, I think we've seen, I've at least heard, I mean, some new city's going to build one somewhere. Does that cost somebody that made the cut, you know, this time around? Because in the agreements, if we're not, and I understand it, like there needs to be teeth in some of this stuff. We've always had facility guidelines. But what were you going to do? They couldn't improve hypothetical stadium A because they didn't have any money to do it or they would have done it. But you weren't going to take anything away. Well, does somebody build a new shiny one that fits in the footprint of a league? Um, I think it's very possible. I'd be shocked if we got through 10 years and there weren't some changes like that. Aren't those league footprints now, though, much smaller than they they were previous? And isn't that part of the whole – reorganization idea that that we want I th- like I think I always thought that AAA level they wanted the, the affiliates to be as close to the major league as possible and then after that they wanted the affiliates to be as close to the, the rest of their league as possible like with you guys with the Padres I mean do the Padres really need you guys to be out close to them well not really it, it's more beneficial for you to be closer to all the teams that you play so yeah. do, do you see that footprint as being smaller a hundred percent. This will be the lowest. It's kind of funny. We're going on the road in a couple of weeks, and again, not complaining. I just, you know, 
We're going to take three buses to go on our first road trip to Lake County. That's the requirement right now. The players are split between three buses. We understand that. We want to play games. We understand there's additional expense with some of this stuff. Again, we get it. But we were joking in the office the other day, to your point, Dave, it's the best travel we've ever had. (laughs) And it'll be the bus will be triple what it's ever been. And so, uh, no, I do think the footprint is smaller. So your point there is valid. You know, you'd have to be within the footprint because I think we saw, without being negative or calling anybody out, but the Lake County captains, which are in our league now, were in the South Atlantic League, you know? Oh, that uh, Sally Bowling, League was a bear, yeah. Yeah, yeah that was a I mean, place. Bowling Green was in with us, but Lexington, you know, an hour or two away from them was in the other one. And yeah. it's just, if you could build a, and Pat O'Connor and I were, our friends, were friends for a long time, so I'm not being critical of the former leadership, but to Dave's point, before, if you build a stadium, man, you got affiliated ball, and we'll just kind of figure out later how all this logistics works. And I do think that they care more about the player wellness, and they're looking at travel days. I mean, we have a day off every Monday in the High A Central this year. And i got to tell you guys, we absolutely love it as a staff. There's two instances where we have six home games and a day off. And then right back to six. I'm not sure how much I'm going to love those 12 out of 13, you know, from not working on them for a while. We think it's great. The staff gets a break. The team gets a break. Some of this travel we've done. And, guys, the commuters over the years, some of the teams in the Western Division of our league, they were all so close. You could do a commute eight days in a row. I mean, I don't care if you're 20 years old and a pro athlete. On the bus, two hours each way, eight days in a row, getting back to your own bed at one in the morning. That's, I mean, that's tough sled. Yeah, I do like the new schedules where you play one team for a week, have have the predictable every Monday off. It's, it seems like that's something that could stick past this yeah. year. Yeah, it's, it's we do different. too. Yeah. We do too. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that since uh, I plan on hitting some ballparks this year. So. I'm already mapping things out, and, and hopefully Good. everything works out. Yeah, but I don't like the forced Monday off on my trip now. <laughs> no, you're right. You know, we have heard people say that, but I was planning on hitting this ballpark on my way back home, you know, yeah. or something like that. It's like, hey, sorry, guys, uh, MLB. But we, we like it. At first, they were concerned, I think. I'm speculating, but I, I was also reading the room. I think they were concerned that we wouldn't like the new format, and a lot of us that have been doing this for a while are like, are you kidding? Sign mm-hmm. us up. You know, we think there's some nice potential to it. You know what I'm struggling getting my head around? It's been like seven years since we had our first convention, our first stadium journey convention down at Parky. Parky yeah. Field. I looked it up and I was like, It's been seven years, in, really? That was in 2015? Ugh. It was because we just got our adult, we just got, or we just got a puppy that year, and that was like the first time. We left her alone for six hours alone, and my my wife and I were just so my good. We got to get back, and she's so lonely. She's she's worried about us, and that was yeah, that was 2015. Guys, I remember that night, and if he had asked me trivia, I would have bombed it because I would have said I don't know three four years ago. Yeah, well my my <laughs> wife my wife loved that night because she's not a baseball fan, but she's a, a Saturday Night Live fan. Oh, that, cool! That, that was her right, SNL right. night. Yeah. She loved how every guy who came up was a different character. And yeah. They were having, like, Matt Farley character, uh, you know, yeah. just certain characters from SNL come up. 
she loved that. She was so excited about it. So that's awesome. I still remember well, I, those Spartan cheerleaders off Will yeah, or whatever, yeah. you know. Yeah. I was looking at the pictures and I was like, it must have been a night or something because those I don't recognize those. And then yeah, <laughs> stuff. Oh yeah, it was Saturday Night Live yeah. night. That, was that what ever is, done again after that? <laughs> I don't think so. You know what? It's funny that you mentioned that because we did like we were the Michael Limmer, who's our brilliant vice president. And of that was just a great, he, great idea. He's a genius, and Limmer, we were the first team ever to do 3D night on the video board for, like, our third season. So it would have been 2011. We gave out 3D glasses. We did the 3D video board. It was, like, the biggest thing we've ever done. And you know what, fellas? We've never done it again. Mm. <laughs> Those glasses are expensive. They are, I, think, yeah. I think Dave brought this up because he really wants me. We're really close to announcing where our convention is going to be this year. I think he just wants me to spill the beans. <laughs> But it, yeah, yeah, it doesn't guys, matter to me. I'm stuck up here on the way. Canada, Dave, you can't go anywhere. <laughs> He's but moving yeah, in that, anyway. That went so well in Fort Wayne that after Fort Wayne, we ended up going to Columbus and Columbia the next oh, year. Oh yeah, Columbia. Um, then where do we go? New Orleans. Yeah, Des Moines, Des Moines, Iowa. New York, Des Moines, New Orleans, Orleans, and then Iowa. And then last year, got last year was supposed to be Pawtucket, but that Pawtucket. got canceled. And then uh, this year. All right, we'll announce it now. This is going to be Burlington, North Carolina with the sock puppet. Oh, right on. That's July cool. 24th, it looks like. Sock puppets. And Danville, the Otterbots play the night before, so yes, they we, do. Can do, we can do two <laughs> games. Tua. So, Mike, you guys were so good to us that you started a tradition, and uh, cool. <laughs> we've been crisscrossing the country ever since. That's awesome. So, I, I guess I have a question. The uh, old GE yeah, Wait, what's what's the updates with that? Because that looks like a grand, that's like an awesome, awesome uh, concept. Guys, it's really cool. So I've lived in Fort Wayne twenty some years, and the first several with the Fort Wayne Wizards out at Memorial Stadium and oh, Memorial yeah. Coliseum out there. Uh, downtown was safe. It was uh, not as active, but it was. It, it just kind of was one of those Midwest cities that was just over another ten, fifteen years. It was going to be almost gone, the downtown. And so the city leaders uh, really pulled in a lot of capital, political and financial, and said, we want to do this Parkview Field. We want to do all the other stuff around us. And it's it's been a win. And now the, they're, they're like, what would it be about, tripling down on the GE campus. So the people that don't know the area, just three or four blocks south of the ballpark was one of the big GE plants around in the country. All these streets around Parkview Field are all one way because that campus was so big. Every street had to be one way, going one way or the other, because thousands of guys worked on every shift. And so you couldn't get, like, people come to Fort Wayne and they're like, why are these streets all one way? And it's like, oh, GE, 80 years ago. And so they are going to, for any of your listeners you got and, and viewers, you have big-time minor league fans, if they've been to Durham, to the ballpark down mm-hmm. there, there's the American tobacco plant that's around there that's a similar type thing. We're kind of using that as a template or a model. But this project in Fort Wayne has the full go-ahead, the full financial package is done, and it is hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars that they are going to take an old smoked-out GE factory that has not been – I mean, there hasn't been factory work in there for, I'm guessing now, you know, 30, 40 years, and turn it into – retail, residential, year-round farmer's market. With you guys as sports fans, one of the craziest things is 
when you still tour that campus, if you can get on there, and when you go down on a guided tour, there's a building and windows are broken out on the, you know, the higher levels, and you go in there, there is a gym in there that will remind you exactly of Hoosiers. With really? all individual chair back seats, oh. if any of you guys ever get back to town, oh, just remind Marshall. me and I'll take you over. It uh, is the coolest What thing are you doing this a, weekend? Yeah. <laughs> then there's a bowling alley and another thing with like 10 or 12 lanes, a bar from before, because literally it was thousands of people and it was like a little city over there. And we know, we I know anyway, that the Detroit Pistons started here as the Zolner right. Pistons. Yep, yep. And so all these GE wanted to have the best basketball team on the factory tour and all that kind of stuff. And the gym, I haven't been in there probably in a year, but I'm telling you, there were people still running games in there that somehow got a key or knew somebody. And it is one of the coolest things ever. And just nobody knows it's there. Yeah, I'll take up on that offer because during yes. the winter I'm at – I, I'm at uh, high school basketball gyms, so Logansport. I've been to Muncie. I've uh, been yeah. up to Marion. I, I, all the big ones. I, not not so much in the Fort Wayne area because uh, there's a few up there I want to get to. But yeah, I, yeah. I, I definitely would take up on that offer. So please do. I'll, uh, I'll give me a call after. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that'd be fun. I I did not know that. So that's from like what was that building? That's from they had like a wreck thing. So, like, yeah. literally, uh, bar, restaurant, bowling alley. Okay. You know, I mean, just – and the, the old scoreboard's still in there. Now, there is no way – you guys have been in every ballpark and stadium in this country. There is no way you could pass code to get more than about ten people in there. It's, like, the steepest things, and there's, like, inches wow. between each row. They wouldn't you – you couldn't get anybody in there social distancing. But for those of us that just love venues and the history of this yeah. stuff – it is so beautiful. I mean, I went in there, and my staff was like, you're like a tourist, like, looking at this stuff. And it was just, you could just, in your mind, you could see those guys playing in the 50s, you know, trying to win the game, like, for their for their factory or their town. Like, it, it's cool. <laughs> I can see that. All right, Mike, uh, uh, before we run out of time here, uh, why don't you let us know what's, what's new at Parkview this year? What do you got? Plan besides just opening the doors this year. Yeah, you know what? Uh, so we did, you know, not everybody watching and listening loves this one, but we did extend the netting. Um, you know, it was to the ends of the dugouts before, and now all the fixed seating in the main bowl are, are, are covered probably halfway into our picnic pavilion and halfway into um, our field boxes down the left field line. Five new concourse LED signs that have never been in. Uh, two huge, probably the biggest in minor league baseball or close ribbon boards on our suite level. And then, of course, we redid the, the stadium video board and the sound system for last year, but that still kind of feels new. And so um, the netting is one of those things that were, um, for fans and families, they, they absolutely love it. I understand not everybody on social media does. Like, I get it. But if the scouts at a major league game can sit right behind home and look through the netting, so can the guys on a thirsty Thursday down the line when they're having a few cold ones thinking that they could be hitting home runs against the visiting pitcher. Yeah, and then speaking of cold ones, any how many craft beers do you have at uh, Park? We have, we have a lot. I can't give you an exact okay. number, but well. our partners with Five Star Beverage have added a ton this year because, again, 
like in the changes, I mean, when I, we're all, I'm not going to offend you guys. I'm a dinosaur in this industry. And so like Paul talking about 19 years and concessions combined, <laughs> 30 years ago, it was hot dogs and pretzels and nachos and pizza. And that was it. So, I mean, the beer selection, the liquor selection, the wine, the wine slushies, we added a, a draft sangria for this year from Round Barn, a really big brewery up in Michigan. And just because people are looking for what's the next thing. And it's not just hot dogs and, and popcorn. Those are still huge sellers. You know, chicken tenders is still yeah. the number one seller in Parkview Field, but they want other options too. Definitely. The classics still sell. So They do. Hot dog is still one of the best things you can get at the ballpark. And but then again, if you have a fried donut burger or a hot dog topped with uh, barbecue and coleslaw, that doesn't that, that's not too bad either. I hear you. I don't know what happened. You guys just made me really thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> thirsty and hungry. Well, yeah, because where I live, there's only one craft uh, brewery in Victory Field, and kind of wish we had a few more. But oh yeah. Well. Oh well. All right, Mike, um, I guess that's uh, all the time we have for tonight. We really want to thank you for making the extra effort to join us tonight. Uh, we know it wasn't easy for you to be here. We really appreciate you coming by. Thanks for giving me a mulligan. You guys mean the world to me. Your publication, we are huge fans. We want to put in a request, and we can't come too soon, I understand. But let's get that group back together. If it's been seven years, then let's get the convention back here in year 10 or 12 or something like that. Let us show you some of the changes to beautiful downtown Fort Wayne. Okay. Yeah. You know we're going to take you up on that offer. Good. I know. Well, <laughs> if, if, if the real world cast from New York can get together for an anniversary, I'm sure we can do that as well. <laughs> so there you go. We'll right start on. the campaign now, Fort Wayne 2022. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> hey, it works for me. I ain't complaining. <laughs> All right, Mike, do you want to give a shout-out to our listeners? Uh, where can they uh, follow your team? Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're on uh, all the social media, at TinCaps, easy enough, T-I-N-C-A-P-S, TinCaps.com. Those are the two best places. Uh, We try and get as interactive on social media and and, and on all the platforms as we can with anybody. You know, being a Padres affiliate, the Padres Twitter is like one of the big major league teams with that kind of stuff. So we've picked up a lot of stuff over the years with people. You know, want to buy theme night jerseys that players have worn. They can get all that info at tincaps.com. Awesome, Mike. Thanks once again for joining us, and best of luck this season. Thanks, guys. Hey, uh, thanks again to Mike Nutter, the president of the Fort Wayne Tin Caps, for joining us. One of my favorite people in the business to talk to. I'm glad he could join us. He, he really, uh, for, yeah, he made an, really made an extra effort to come join us, so we really appreciate it. So, this is the part of the show where we recap our visits from the past two weeks. Well, usually it's the part of the show lately where Mark recaps his visits. But this week, I get to play as well, so I'm looking forward to that. Hey, Dave, where have you been the last couple of weeks? You're looking at it? <laughs> Those of you don't know. Uh, like you know, that, Dave, is Dave, it? Dave's in lockdown. So, <laughs> so we're just teasing a little bit. Mark? You had any stadium journeys over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, last I've uh, been to two places. Uh, first was uh, Goodrich Ballpark on the campus of Wabash College in Crawfordsville, Indiana, uh, Division Three All Boys School. But this uh, nondescript ballpark it seats about 500. It, it it's pleasant. 
But what made it so much fun was in left field, there's this hill where most of the fans sit and tailgate. And they bring their foods, their outdoor games, the beer, and it's it's fraternities, it's college students, it's alumni. And it's just this big block party throughout the whole game. And I handed out my card to people, let them know what I was doing there. And I think that night I, I must have got about four or five drunk drunk dials from from some college students that felt like they were at a fraternity party. So <laughs> n- nothing better than one o'clock being woken by Mark, Mark, where's the video, Mark? <laughs> Weird experience. I was not expecting that to happen going to Division Three baseball, but that that's the second Division Three ballpark experience that I've been surprised by. So uh, that was really fun. And then last Monday I went to uh, Bankerside Fieldhouse to see the Pacers versus Spurs. Was not planning on going there, but a buddy from college contacted me and said, "Hey, I got Pacers tickets. Meet me, meet me there." So he wound up picking me up at a designated spot, and we checked out the Pacer game. And one thing weird this year, going to a major event, is you go in and out. There's no traffic. You can park anywhere. The p- parking prices have gone down in the lots. All the food that's served in the building is in-house, so there was Steak and Shake and Hardee's and I think some local burger spots that they're there, but they're not serving their exact food. Uh, you have to wear the mask. You have to have a specific mask on to enter the, the arena. If you don't, they have one for you. If you're not wearing it and you don't have a food or drink, ushers come and ask you to put it on. They pump crowd noise into the game. And it's just it's just a little different experience. The cheerleaders are at one area. They have like a drum corps band. They're in another area. Usually everybody's kind of converging on the bottom. So it, it was a different experience, but still very enjoyable. And they also got a new scoreboard. I did not even know that until I looked at the pictures when I came home. home. They replaced their scoreboard, which I could have sworn they just put up about five, six years ago. So they're doing some renovations there as we speak. So hopefully when everybody's back, that place will be better than ever. Uh, the way the NBA arenas are getting bigger and bigger scoreboards, some of those yes. scoreboards are bigger than the courts now. They are. Because I remember the first scoreboard they had, I thought it was retro. They made it look like a retro scoreboard. And when they brought in the new one, I was like, oh, my goodness, what is that? Now this one is even bigger. So pretty soon, I don't know what they're going to do. But, they, yeah, they're amazing to look at. They're just they're, they're, they're crisp, clear. It's it's amazing. Yeah. yeah, I remember seeing the one in Cleveland, and I thought that was the biggest one I've ever seen. Yeah, I remember Doc Matrix scoreboards. Like, <laughs> sounds like Indianapolis has got them beat. Yeah, well, who knows? Cleveland may put a new one in next year. <laughs> Bigger right. in Indianapolis. Heck no. All right, so for me, I actually went to a couple games over the last two weeks. Uh, two weeks ago, I went to a Tier 2 junior game for the North American Hockey League in Danbury, Connecticut. So I was back at the Danbury Ice Arena. Uh, this is actually, I think, the fifth time I've been to Danbury Ice Arena, and it's the fifth different team I've seen there. So how about that? That's pretty good odds, or pretty bad odds, depending on how you look at it. So uh, I know we've talked about Danbury before. It's really a very nondescript arena. It's one of those community rinks. It's got, you know, one large rink with seating, and it's got another side rink where they do some youth skating and uh, 
stuff like that. But the, the cool thing about the ice arena, not right now because of social distancing and reduced crowds and everything, is they got a million things going on there. Between the two rinks, there's an arcade there. There's even going to be opening soon an axe-throwing bar there. So there's a, a lot of cool stuff. I was really disappointed that the Rabbit Hole bar was closed, so I couldn't get a New Haven Nighthawks beer. Yeah. But they do sell those there. There was only probably about 200 people there spread out in, uh, in a rink that seats about 3,000 normally. So um, it was just nice to be at a game and strange at the same time. Uh, what's most notable about Danbury Ice Arena, if you don't recall me talking about it before, is its history. If you haven't seen or read the history of the Danbury Ice Arena, look it up. Basically what happened is a local mobster, he was actually a mobster. He got indicted on racketeering and tax evasion charges. Uh, he ran the local waste management company. He bought a team um, for, for his son. He made his son the general manager. His son was 17 years old at the time and in high school. Made his son the general manager of this team in the, uh, what's the name of the league? I can't think of the name of the league. Is it the Federal Hockey League? The Federal, Federal League. Yeah, Federal League. Yeah. Um, and they were called the Trashers because yeah. he ran a trash company. And that was a really cool um, logo. And what they did is they really kind of made the, the team directly something out of slap shot. They got all the goons, all the wild men they could get. I was going to say, you mean garbage? Yeah, and the uh, and they just became known for their intimidating style, and the fans were crazy, and there were fights in the stands and fights on the ice. There's been documentaries of plenty done about the Trashers, and there's actually I heard that Disney is made. I don't know if it's Disney, but somebody is making a movie about the Trashers. So. The Mighty Trashers. Yeah, the Mighty Trashers. <laughs> it's, they're, they're, their stories about this team were not Disney-esque, but no, somebody, no, <laughs> somebody's Disney making a movie. Not. But if you uh, haven't read or seen the uh, the history, look it up. It's really interesting. That's that's the most interesting thing about the Danbury Ice Arena. And then uh, last weekend, it was a beautiful day up here in New England. It was 70 degrees. So where'd we go? Of course. Where else are you going? It's beautiful. We went to Hartford. And uh, the University of Hartford and the University of Albany were playing at Dunkin' Donuts Park. So we went and we caught a game with about, you know, about 200 other people. Uh yeah, like you were saying, Mark, it's weird, um, you know, wearing the mask. People weren't – and this is the Northeast. People usually are pretty good about stuff like this, but there were a lot of non-mask wearers in the crowd, or especially in the seating bowl. Maybe not so much walking around on the concourse. But that was really different. It took a little getting used to. But it was just nice to be in the ballpark on a nice sunny day. So soaked it up, got a little sunburned. Glad we went. And, uh, yeah, Hartford swept both ends of a doubleheader. So so I have to say about the Dunkin' Donuts Center. I'll save my reviews of that place. One of my favorite minor league ballparks, by the way, for uh, for when the yard goats get back. No, you're, well, I, I, yeah, I, I read one of the uh, reviews I had had Hartford up there, too. So Yeah. Quite yeah a so uh, for those of you who are minor league baseball fans, and I figure if you're tuning into this show with Mike Nutter from the Tin Caps, you probably are. All next week, we will be having our authors spotlight their top five favorite minor league baseball parks. So check those out. Those start on Thursday. So that's where we will leave you all off tonight um, and where we'll end things. So, uh, Dan, where can I just follow you online? Law 83 And, Mark, you got any plan, any any stadium journeys planned? 
There's a couple weeks. We get to ask that question again. Isn't that awesome? You know, uh, uh, minor league baseball starting, so why not check out an Indians game or a Tin Caps game? Um, I'm not too far away from Fort Wayne, about 90 miles. So we'll see. I Weather's getting nice, so it could be one of those, you know, moments where you wake up and you're thinking, huh, what should I do today? Who's playing? So think I'll go to a game. Think I'll go to a game. Sorry, Three hours man. away. Yes, let's do it. Uh, yeah, check check all that out on YouTube. Uh, not YouTube. Ballpark Hunter. YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those fun little places. Uh, check out my my journeys and subscribe and follow if you like to hear about ballparks and old logos, things like that. <laughs> And Dave, how about you? I know you don't have any. Unfortunately, you you can't travel like Mark and I are able to now. But uh, uh, where, can where can our listeners follow you? What you got going on? <laughs> follow me uh, on Twitter, Puckman or at Puckman RI. You can follow follow Dave at my my Twitter. <laughs> uh, on Twitter at Profan Nine. Oh boy. So uh, obviously, yeah, no, nowhere to go right up here right now. Uh, all we got is hockey, and nobody's allowed in there. Uh, so literary journey continues. Um, finished a few things lately. Uh, Death of the Territories by Tim Hornbaker. Uh, did the audio version of that. That was pretty interesting. Uh, Dan, you would love it. Wrestling, wrestling history there. Yeah, I put that on my wish list. Go, I need to read that. Definitely, definitely. And um, I figured this was probably the most timely book of all. It's called <laughs> End Zones and Border Wars. Uh, it's about the um, the American experiment in the Canadian Football League. Uh, I think the owners of the Canadian Football League right now need to reread this so that they don't make a horrible, horrible mistake again with this whole XFL thing. But finish both of those, and right now uh, I am into, like, almost the only arena football book there is in the world. So Tim Capper put me on this one, War on the Floor. Uh, it is... It's kind of like a, a George Plimpton uh, goes to arena football deal. So Jeff Foley wrote it, and he uh, is a writer and, and played a little arena football for the Albany Firebirds a while ago. So uh, follow uh, follow my thoughts on that at Profan9. Awesome, awesome. You got me actually interested in reading books. I'm in the middle of one right now about the 1986 Red Sox. So that one's been really interesting. You're still called, on that? I thought you were going to figure that, finish that. Well, I got distracted doing other stuff and, you know, went to games and stuff. Yeah, well, I'm almost, I think I'm on the next to last chapter, so it'll be done soon. Yeah, Two Sides of Glory. It's been a really cool book. Bill fucking Buckner. <laughs> Especially with uh, the Mets 30 for 30 documentary coming up. It's been good timing for me. So uh, you can follow my stadium journeys on Twitter, and I'm on Instagram, too, and I'm on YouTube at PuckmanRI. So uh, between this show tonight and our next show, I will be visiting Hadlock Field in Portland, Maine, be catching a, ca- a pair of Sea Dogs games on Mother's Day weekend, because what says Happy Mother's Day better than a couple of baseball games? No, but seriously, Portland's one of our favorite cities. To visit. You have an amazing life. I, I do. I am. I am a lucky man. No <laughs> doubt about it. But you know what? We'll also go up to Portland, and when we go to Portland, we eat like crazy and we drink like crazy. So we'll have a good time. Hold on. When's Mother's Day? May 9th. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll be up there the 8th, uh, the 8th and the 9th. And so I'll be doing that in a couple weekends. And then uh, this Thursday, actually, 
I will be getting a sneak peek at Polar Park in Worcester, Massachusetts, the new home of the Woostocks. I'm getting a personal tour by one of my old buddies from the Parsocks, Bill Wanless. He's showing me around. So uh, stay tuned. I'll, I'll get some pictures up. Walk through the stadium. I'm still not coming. <laughs> no, nah, I won't be one of those people. I'm you not know, coming. I don't care. You know, like when New Britain moved to Hartford, there are people who still have not visited the new ballpark really? in Hartford. Yeah, there's, like, listen, there's, I'm not driving 10 miles to the new Brooklyn Park. Dodgers <laughs> fans that are alive. They're like, I don't care. No, that was my mom. That was my mom. Yeah. Yeah. But, I well, underst- uh, but I understand them. The she died. Yeah. I understand it. I understand. My grandfather, too. He stopped rooting for them. Now, if the Devils ever move, I, I don't know what that'd be like. So wow, You better tell your friends to start going to those goddamn games when the uh, COVID's over. They, but they anyways. Need, they need to start winning. I don't know. We'll see. It, it's the same ownership that owns the Flyers. So Not the Flyers. Winning. The Sixers. Sixers. So Sixers became pretty good. You need to start winning. I'm sorry, Dave. Real quick. How many cups in 30 years? <laughs> need to start winning. <laughs> they haven't won anything in 10. They're terrible. They won, just lost 10 in a row. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to spit. <laughs> gonna uh, I know I can get Dan. I know I can spit. get Dan. All right. So uh, you can stay tuned to the stadium journey for some uh, first look at Polar Park. And uh, don't forget to check out the website at stadiumjourney.com. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram at Stadium Journey. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We've got close to 50 videos on that channel now. Can you believe we've been doing that many? Actually, we've been doing this podcast for four years now. I I looked at the numbers of both of you. I was like, wow, season four and season eight of Obey the Buck. So we might have... I wonder when our 100th episode is. Or we, should, we should do an anniversary. Well, somebody should count those other than me so we can we'll see. Do a, we'll do a clip show. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not. We'll do a best of featuring uh, Lucille Ball. We could do there a clip go. show from 2020 20 and 21. That's what I got. Yeah. So if you're looking for any of our millions of podcasts, uh, you can find them at VOCNation.com or search VOC Nation Radio Network on your podcast app or on Spotify. And remember, we simulcast live every other Tuesday night at 8 Eastern at twitch.tv slash Stanlaw83. So we will return in two weeks. That will put us at May 11th. We're not quite sure what we'll be discussing yet, but it's going to be awesome. I know it. And since we were uh, in Indiana virtually tonight, we're going to quote John Mellencamp on the way out. When I fight authority, authority always wins. This is the Slickster, the Doctor of Style, and you're listening to VOC Nation. Check out In the Room every Tuesday night at 9. Listen in. Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks, former WCW star Stro Maestro, Cassie Fitz, Matt Grimm. And you know Ray there too, right, Ray? We sure are, and we've got great guests like Lex Luger, AJ Styles, Taku, and more. It's a heck of a party. Plus, I didn't get thrown off uh, buildings. And then uh, I didn't get pregnant either. Sometimes I think it gets so ridiculous. We were getting into, like, snuff film territory there. In the room. 9 p.m. Eastern on VOC Nation. Wrestling with History, the voice of choice, and Killer Ken Wrestling. When I die, they're going to open me up and find about 2,000 undigested Northwest Airline cheese omelets. 
Mr. Chris Cruz, what's going on? Jesus, how did I get roped into this? General Adnan went to school with Saddam Hussein. He cried, I cried, he cried, and who could have Adnan lost a lot of family in the Iraqi war. Everybody loves Granny. Wow. Yeah, see, a lot of people don't know that. Yes, Dylan, you guys are busting me up. Catch Wrestling with History with Ken Resnick and I live on VOCNation.com Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern Time or listen to the podcast by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Stadium Journey, the worldwide leader in stadium reviews for the traveling sports fan, is proud to present the Stadium Journey podcast on VOC Nation. Join us as we talk with prominent figures from around the sports world to discuss issues pertaining to sports travel and stadiums around the globe. New episodes air on VOC Nation Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Join Paul Baker, Dave Cartney, Mark Vitez, Dan Calachico, and guests from throughout the sports world on the Stadium Journey podcast on VOC Nation. On Wrestling With Problems, we deal with two things, wrestling and problems. On the wrestling side, we cover the major feds as well as the indies. As far as problems go, we cover our problems, American problems, and world problems. Sometimes the problems are even related to wrestling. Every week, comedian King David Lane and wrestler, promoter, Chris Press discuss the best and especially the worst in the world of wrestling with a heaping dose of comedy. Check us out live on VLCNation.com or on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Each and every Thursday night, check it out. WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro. Talking old school match of the week. Talking dream matches. Taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out. VOCNation.com. WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation Radio Network. Yo, this is Jerry Stags of the Nasty Boys. Yeah, Brian Knobs, yeah, you get ready to get nasty. Well, listen to the VOC Nation, baby, because it's about to get nasty all around and up in this mother. Get ready. Nasty sensation is coming at you. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network.